On this episode of Bright Future, I talk about the Chinese balloon that floated across the continental United States over the past week, the implications, and the reactions to the event. This is a weekly political podcast that aims to look at our current events and how we may do better so that there may one day be a brighter future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam, and with no further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I have titled, Red Balloon. Look up. Look very, very high up. If you did this between Montana and South Carolina during the past week, you might have noticed a small white speck slowly floating across the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it Superman? No, it's a balloon about the size of three semi-trucks, between 25 and 60 meters in diameter. Now, before I talk about it, it is important to note that this is a recent event and all of the facts have not been clearly revealed yet. It also runs into issues surrounding classified events, so the details here are only an educated guess based on the publicly available information. The story has a lot to do with the intelligence community as well, so I thought it would be fun to act a bit like a detective and follow the W's. Who, what, when, where, how, and lastly, why. Who and what? This is a Chinese-based balloon. We know that much at least. China claims that it was a civilian weather balloon. However, the Pentagon says that it was definitely a spy device. And I think that the Pentagon is right for one simple reason. Size. Normally, weather balloons start at just a meter or two in diameter, and as it rises through the atmosphere, expand to about five or six times that size, before eventually bursting and falling back to Earth. However, this balloon was ten times that size, and held a constant steady altitude instead of rising or falling. Normally, actual weather balloons also carry a small payload shaped like a box or a cylinder. However, civilian images of this Chinese-based balloon clearly show a much larger payload that looks almost like a miniature space station. It has a set of solar panels on each side with a cylindrical payload in the center of unidentified purpose and function. When and where? Apparently, the Pentagon began tracking this balloon on January 28th, as it crossed over the Aleutian Island chain in the North Pacific Ocean. However, they didn't put out any kind of statement until civilians started to notice this thing floating over Billings, Montana, on February 2nd. At that point, the Pentagon announced that they knew that it was there. Civilians continued to notice as it floated east across most of the Midwest. And finally, on February 4th, the balloon floated off the coast of South Carolina, where it was shot out of the sky, and the debris crashed into the ocean. Fun fact, this balloon is the only confirmed kill for the F-22 Raptor fighter jet, and also holds the record for the highest altitude air-to-air missile kill. How? According to statements released by the Pentagon, this is not the first time something like this has happened. Though, they wouldn't give specifics to other incidents because they were classified. Apparently, the balloon got to these locations, or into United States airspace, using existing air currents. Because the balloon was so large, the size of three semi-trucks, 
it was largely subject to how the wind blows. But the Pentagon reported that previous spy balloons possessed an ability to somehow at least affect their course or alter it in some way. Of course, they wouldn't elaborate as to how, but I have a guess. I mentioned earlier what the payload to the package looked like. Hanging beneath the balloon looked like a miniature space station with a pair of solar panels on each side with a payload in the middle. Do you know what a crook's radiometer is? Well, doesn't matter because I'm about to tell you. Also known as a light mill, it's effectively an airtight bulb that contains a partial vacuum. Inside the bulb, a series of vanes is mounted to a spindle and allowed to spin freely. Each vein has one side colored black and the other side colored white, though the color isn't actually important to its function. When a light is shined on these four panels, usually it's four, sometimes it could be more, when a light is shined on these panels, they start to spin. Even though there is no force inside the bulb allowing them to do that, the only difference is the light. There have been many theories as to why this happens, but the currently accepted theory is that when some of the remaining gas molecules on one side of the pane warms up as light strikes them, the gas molecules flow from the hot side, the warmer side of the pane, to the colder side of the pane. It flows around the edge, and as it moves around the edge, it pulls the pane along with it, allowing the mill to spin. It's important to note that this effect only happens at specific pressures. I said it contains a partial vacuum. There is still some gas in there, but usually there is only enough to register a pressure of around 1 pascals. But our atmosphere is usually thousands of times thicker than that, even at 60,000 feet where the balloon was. It's a fun science fiction theory that the balloon managed to blow itself in a certain direction using light, but probably not how the balloon was actually able to move itself. Instead, it is far more likely that the balloon just vented some of the gas that it contained in a specific direction to nudge itself in the opposite direction. Lastly, we get to the fun part of this episode. Why? Why use a weather balloon? China has satellites higher up, and legally we can't shoot the satellites down. But the weather balloon in United States airspace was fair game. The satellites could probably see more, and more often as well, right? Well, satellites have one problem that is best described in Hatchet by Gary Paulson. When the protagonist goes spearfishing, he lines up the tip of his spear over the water with the fish which is under the water, and then tries to stab the fish, and every single time the spear misses. Why? Well, light bends when it transitions between different mediums. It's why when you put a straw in a glass of water, it can look like the straw is broken. The light needs to travel from the straw, through the water, transition into the glass, then transition into the air before finally reaching your eyes. This means that in Hatchet, in order to spearfish, our protagonist needed to adjust his aim to slightly below where the fish appeared to be, and suddenly he's hitting the mark every single time. But the atmosphere messes with light more than a calm pond does, 
Storms, clouds, and constant changes in pressure as light travels up and up from the surface means that images can be very distorted by the time they reach a satellite. That's why things like Google Maps use many, many, many takes with the satellite and also use things like balloons, kites, and even ground surveillance to help build Google Earth. So if satellites can't give clear images, perhaps the atmosphere would be better. Perhaps something in the atmosphere would be better. But China can't use a super powerful modern aircraft because those look overtly hostile and would also give away any kind of classified knowledge of the existence of such planes. So instead, use a series of quiet, unassuming balloons, slowly encroaching more and more into the United States airspace until you can blatantly float the thing across the whole continent without anyone caring. Or at least, we didn't care until after it had finished its flight. Why didn't we shoot it down earlier when it first encroached on United States airspace in Alaska? According to defense officials, the administration was worried about it possibly landing on someone, or damaging property if it landed on land, so they were waiting until it had gotten over water in order to shoot it down. However, the debris field from the downing of the balloon covered an area of seven square miles. So if we need seven square miles of empty space or open water and we can't shoot down the thing until it's over it, where else could we have shot it down? The balloon was first detected over the Aleutian Islands. Uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. It's the island chain that makes up the tail of Alaska. Surely, somewhere within that island chain, there was a space of at least seven or more square miles where the balloon could have been safely downed without hitting anything. After passing over the islands, the balloon also passed over most of Alaska. Now, Alaska is the great, the last great wilderness in the United States, with only 0.2% of Alaska's landmass actually being populated or constructed upon. Surely, somewhere along the balloon's flight path, there was a space of at least seven or more square miles where the balloon could have been safely downed without hitting anything. However, after crossing into Canada and then back into Idaho and then Montana, chances get a little bit slimmer. However, Montana is one of the more undeveloped states, with 32% of its land still being wilderness. Surely there, may, there, surely there must have been an area of low to no population or development where it could or should have been shot down. And if not, the balloon did float over a good chunk of the Midwest. I know that there are several long stretches of country dirt roads only populated by fields, and I know this from experience by walking for hours through those fields. During the winter, they aren't growing anything either, and unless you're one of the few privately owned farms left, they aren't being used as pastures either. You would need to evacuate the roads and maybe block the map first, uh, but that could be done in advance of a predicted flight path in preparation to shoot it down. I suppose one reason to wait would be the fear that the balloon may have been carrying a nuclear payload, or something else incredibly dangerous, but if that is the case, Surely, it would have been shot down as soon as possible over Alaska, instead of letting it cross the whole continent first. However, the balloon was likely only carrying a camera and RF detector for radio waves. 
Defense officials stated that they prevented the balloon from seeing anything useful, though they of course didn't elaborate as to how. I would wager a guess though. Lasers. Lasers can be used to blind cameras and probably also spy satellites as well. It sounds like a super high-tech solution though, and I think there was a better way. Just cover up anything sensitive. Park sensitive aircraft in hangars, throw tarps over the secret projects. Sometimes a billion dollar problem has a hundred dollar solution. Lastly, how should we react? I'm sure there are a lot of opinions being shouted over the hill in DC, so let's put ourselves in their position and consider a few alternatives. So far, the only real reactions have actually been shooting the thing down and a lot of press releases. But I feel like if China has repeatedly floated balloons into United States airspace, then surely we should be doing something back to them to show them that this isn't acceptable. Which is where I'm going to open up this week's episode to the audience. What should we do? Or at least I would open it up to the audience if there was anyone in the voice chat today, but it doesn't look like there is. So instead, I'm going to have to just talk about a few options myself here. So to be clear, this was a shorter episode. I did have a busy weekend, so I wasn't able to go and write the full thing. But I did have at least the beginnings of a few ideas. One of the things that we have already done in reaction to this is there was supposed to be a diplomacy talk where the Secretary of State was supposed to go over to China. That's been completely cancelled at this point. Another thing that I've been talking, another thing that I've heard some people talking about is, well, who cares about the spy balloon? Who cares about the spy balloon spying on us when everyone's got TikTok? Now, to be clear, I don't actually know if TikTok is Chinese spyware or not. They're may be some evidence of that, there may be not, it may just be a big rumor, we don't really know, or if we do, I haven't properly researched it yet, so I might have to do that for a future episode. But there have been talks in Congress about banning TikTok because it's supposedly a Chinese spy device, and that would be a good reaction to this, I suppose. It would, at the very least, stop them from spying on individual civilians who have it installed, but it wouldn't do anything to prevent them from floating another balloon over us. So, floating a balloon over us, if it, if it is like the Defense Department says and it has no other advantage other than just showing us that they can do it, um, I don't think that it actually does. I think that the balloon definitely has advantages that satellites don't, and that we should be worried about that. But it's really up to how ever everything is going to go through with it. But, well, during the Cold War, because this is something that was compared to the Cold War by a few news sites that I was looking over... Something that we did during the Cold War was develop the SR-71 Blackbird. Now, the SR-71 Blackbird isn't particularly stealthy, but it is fast. So you just fly an SR-71 Blackbird over them. Now, the SR-71 Blackbird has mostly been retired from service. After all, it is 50 years old at this point. But it is fast enough to outrun just about any type of missile or 
air defenses that China might have, or probably has, so flying that over them, not even to gather intel, but just to show them that we can, might be a good reaction to this. It's probably a bit extreme though, after all, if the balloon really wasn't able to detect anything that satellites wouldn't have been able to detect, then this was more like a prank. Now, I do want to talk about pranks that countries might pull on each other, because there was a TV show uh, called Space Force. It's a comedy show where, spoilers for later on during the show, after everyone has landed on the moon, China and the United States Space Force has landed on the moon, China takes their rover and drives it over the flag that was planted on the moon during the Apollo 11 missions, which is like a prank. So, in the show, the United States Space Force reacted by driving over to the Chinese moon base and, well, they were planning on throwing toilet paper over it and just messing around with the shaving cream and basically a prank. It had to be, like, in the same vein. So, I feel like that is what should be done as a reaction to all this. Some kind of prank of a similar vein just to show them that we can. Now I should mention that the head of the Chinese Meteorological Institute was actually removed from his position yesterday, February 5th, so it is entirely possible that one, either he's a scapegoat saying that this was to double down and say that it was in fact an air balloon for meteorological research, or it's a scapegoat to mislead us into thinking that it actually was a, a weather balloon. We are currently, so this is happening after I've actually written the script. Uh, we are currently going over that seven square mile area where the balloon was shot down and collecting the pieces to see what was in it. And let's actually check the whitehouse.gov website, the briefing room to see if Biden himself has actually said anything about that. So, so far today, there have been, it looks like quite a few uh, briefing speeches, remarks, statements, and stuff. So I'm just going to look over and see if there's anything about what's been going on with the balloon. Uh, root causes of migration in Central Africa, that's not helpful, and impacting earthquakes impacting Turkey and Syria. Why did they misspell Turkey on the statement and release? T-U-R-K-I-Y-E. That's not how that country's name is spelled, right? I hope I'm, I'm doing that right. Yeah, it's just... Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, in English, it is spelled T-U-R-K-E-Y. But officially, it's the Republic of Turkey. T-U-R-K-I-Y-E. So, that is spelled right if you include their full name. But it's missing the accent over the U. So, I guess not. That is a little strange. But yeah, Turkey and Syria have been seeing some very serious earthquakes over the past 
well, today, actually, which is why this episode isn't about it. I write these episodes over the weekend, and this only happened really earlier today. So I might have to make next week's episode about that. But there is nothing in these press briefings about what's been going on with the Chinese balloon. So I'm just going to Google Chinese balloon recovery. And the most recent report from ABC News says the recovery is underway for bits of the Chinese surveillance balloon. Of the suspected surveillance balloon. And it doesn't look like any form of statement has actually been released about what they found. So we don't actually know what the balloon had attached to it. Because I did mention there was a payload. The payload had solar panel on each side with a little cylinder kind of in the middle. So it looks kind of like a space station, but we don't know what that cylinder is or what's attached to it. I assumed it was a camera and an RF detector. So it could locate... Uh... So it could locate radio waves coming from, what's it called, from ICBM missiles. If it could locate RF, if it could locate RF signals coming from the silos, it could take pictures of the exact location. Because you can't just go to Google Maps and plug in where is my nearest ICBM silo. Like that, that'll never work. So, by using the RF detector, it could get close to at least know approximately where the ICBM silo is, and then use a camera to take pictures of it. Lastly, I did mention that several reporters have compared the events of this balloon floating over the United States to the events of the Cold War, like the 1960 U-2 incident, which, if you don't know, in 1960... A U-2, an American spy plane, was shot down over the Soviet Union. And, well, the United States tried to claim that, oh, it's a civilian aircraft for meteorological research. It was not a civilian aircraft for meteorological research. And the Soviets showed the United States parts of the U-2's wreckage, like, hey, this is a surveillance camera. We know that this is for surveillance, at which point... The United States finally admitted, yeah, it's for surveillance. We'll do a prisoner trade to get our pilot back. But during that Cold War, it is said that 99 red balloons could be used to trigger a nuclear war. And now, to be clear, I haven't been properly... I wasn't around at that time. So, I'm not exactly sure how it happened... Apparently, it's a protest song about a boy and a girl innocently releasing a batch of balloons into the air and confusing these flying objects. Internet governments panic and trigger a nuclear holocaust. That's at least according to CNN. 99 Red Balloons, a, um, a song by the German band Nina for their 1983 album. Okay, so that's where that comes from. So that's why I decided to title this episode Red Balloon, because it's a balloon. It's only one, not 99 of them, but that's why I decided to title this episode. 
with no one else in the Discord channel. I think I'm going to end the episode here, though. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Bright Future. Check the description for more information, including the resources I used to build this episode. You can also join our Discord server to discuss these and other topics, as well as join in when these episodes are recorded every Monday at 7 p.m. Central. If you would like to support the show or spread the word, I have a merch store full of items that show off both the show's logo and icons for individual episodes. These episodes are released every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central, so I will see you back here next week.